I think I'm going to change my name to Kevin Lehman because that's exactly what I feel like whenever he gets here. And we've had him here year after year. Uh, no, I'm excited for this opportunity. I'm really excited that all my friends are here as well. I invited the, uh, the academy staff and the early education center. It's all one. And uh, yes, we'll talk about that just briefly at the very end. I am cognizant of the time and I am cognizant of the fact that I have no PowerPoint, no slides, and no visuals to give you. Which means that, and I, somebody caught me earlier before we started and said, are you going to be short and animated? <laughs> now, what is that supposed to tell me with a cheer like that? <laughs> Titled the message this morning, A Measure of Faith. And I'll get to that in just a second. But a number of years ago, or a number of months ago, actually, a very popular personality person retired from her 25-year successful career in, t- in daytime television. As you know, Oprah was probably one of the most well-known faces in the entire world. She had gone out of her way to help people and publicly made known issues that probably need to be called to attention. And I think that she has probably contributed to our society a tremendous amount. She has been a positive force. And in fact, somebody once said to me or asked me the question, do I agree with everything that Oprah has done? (laughs) I don't even agree with everything I've done. How can I agree with everything anybody else has done? But I will tell you, I don't know where she stands in relationship to the Lord, but I will tell you that God has given her a platform, or somebody's given her a platform, and we know that God controls things, to be able to be a positive influence on a society. And I don't think we've heard the last of her yet. As most of you may know, she started her own Oprah Winfrey network, and a whole division and a line that goes from there. And obviously, she's got a vision or something that's going along that line. And somebody asked her one time, it said, what do you contribute the key to your success over these 25 years. And this was her exact statement. She said, I stayed in my zone. And she went on to explain that she had found what she was good at and simply stayed at that same endeavor day after day after day. And she never deviated, even though at times she was a temptation to chase rabbits and to do things that she was invited to do. She found out what she could do best and she stayed with it. And it's obvious that it worked. I found that to be very good advice. Stay in your zone. Each one of us in here needs to find out what that is. And I want to tell you this morning that if you know what you're good at, you know what you're motivated by, and you know exactly where your zone is, if you stay in that, you will not only be a success, but you'll be very fruitful. But my question is, do you even know what your zone is? Do you know where you fit? Do you know where you belong? Do you know what it is that so motivates you? See, about 30 years ago, and yes, I've been serving in ministry now for about 31 years, and I came on staff here in August of 99, and so I'm starting my 13th year as part of the academy and part of the staff here. It's the longest I've been in any one place. But a number of years ago, when I felt called into the ministry, I loved teenagers, so I started working with them. I became a youth director. Not very long after that, the church that I was working with, and because I had the experience as well as the degree, offered to have me teach within the school. I absolutely fell in love with it. Next thing you know, I found myself moving into administration and being a part of being a principal. And I found that that incredibly rewarding for me. It really scratched something inside that that just I had an itch that I didn't realize that I had, that God was unfolding certain things at various times. And I found that in working with small staffs, large staffs, and seeing God do many things, I've worked now for not one, not two, but five church and school situations. That's the longest I've been in any one spot. 
And I can tell you why I've been here this long, because somewhere along the way, as God gave to me that educational experience, and as I went to school to become a pastor, figuring I'd be a youth pastor forever, which that wasn't my thing. I realized right away when I didn't like the music anymore, and I couldn't stay up all night, and I couldn't do Aquapalooza, that I was not a youth pastor. I realized that wasn't my zone, okay? And so I got smart. And I moved on. But, but along that way, God added to me and had me go back to school to get a graduate degree in business. And I'm thinking, what in the world does education, ministry, and business have to do with anything? Until May of 99, I got a phone call from Pastor Jack saying he needed somebody that knew how to run the school, that could be part of the pastoral staff, and be the business administrator. And I recognized that I was in my zone, that God knew what he was doing. And I share that with you just simply to say some of you heard that story, but some of you in here have not. But I share that to say to you that the key to all of us in in being faithful and being fruitful is finding out what our zone is and staying right there. Now, I've lost focus occasionally, and I've chased some of those rabbits, and I've thought, well, maybe I should be doing this or maybe I should be doing that. I've even had people ask me a time or two, do you ever want to grow up and pastor your own church? And I thought, why? Because it's not my zone. But how do you tell somebody that? Because there's that, there's that pressure that all of us have that says, well, well, first you start off as this, and you move to this, and you move to this, and when you're really grown up and really mature, that's what you're supposed to be. And I disagree with that. I found out years ago that the Lord really showed me how to be second and satisfied, or third or fourth, and to do exactly what it was I was called to do, and that was to stay in my zone and to do exactly what I was called to do. But there seems to be that constant pulling that's pulling us in a different direction. You know what that's like. We've all felt that because it's the world telling us to go this direction when our zone says, no, I want you to go that one. And how do we know the difference? That's part of what I want to talk to you about today because you see, Paul wrote about that as well. And I can't show you on the screen. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, I'll give you a second to turn there. But I will tell you that Paul wrote this very thing to the Romans And he said to them in chapter 12, in the beginning of chapter 12, he talks about, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, okay? This is your spiritual act of worship. But the verse that I want to key in on, and it is in the top of your notes if you have those as well, comes out of chapter 3 through 5, and it says for this, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. You can circle that more highly, But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. You can circle that as well. I'm going to make comment on that. In accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many parts, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now that term more highly, it's interesting how this works. And in the English language, and I learned this years ago when we had the opportunity to go to Israel, that I realized that we, if we've grown up in in the United States, we have this Western mindset. We don't quite understand sometimes the way Scripture is written because it's been translated from the original text into English, and now we put all of our particular culture mores on it. So when we come to this idea, say, don't think of yourself more highly, the first thought that comes to our mind is, don't be prideful. Don't, don't, Don't puff yourself up. There's a natural tendency, though, for all of us to want to be something more than what we really are. And I don't know where that comes from other than it's got to come from the flesh. So what Paul is saying to them is don't elevate yourself out of your comfort zone of where you belong. 
Do not think of yourself in a way that is not you. That's really what he's saying. More highly, it, it, we put so much else with it. It's not really that. There's, there's not really, well, this personality is better than that one. It's not that way. In fact, you're going to see in just a minute, I'm going to expound on that, that there are seven areas that God has given us that motivate every one of us. And as we go across this room, if we had the time to look at and in an auditorium of this size, I would find out that each of you are motivated by something different than the others. God, some of us will have the same, but not all of us. So he says, don't think of yourself as though you're better than anybody else or that anybody else is better than you. There is that also that tendency for us. And I, you see it in kids. You see it all the time. I can tell you, I can go out the playground and I can see exactly what happens with personalities. Kids will put others down. Why? Because of our own insecurity. We at times don't think, well, you know, I really can't do a whole lot. So if I put others down, that makes me feel a little better. We've got to fight against that. And that's part of what Paul was saying is that we've got to transform our minds. Now that word sober judgment, we understand sober. It means don't be drunk. Don't be out of your mind. But that word judgment, it's interesting what it means here. It means having scholarly knowledge, having to be informed or being cognizant of. So he's saying, don't think of yourself in a way that's not you, but think of yourself rather with the cognizant knowledge that you've been given. Well, wait a minute, I haven't been given it. No, because you probably haven't studied it. And most people don't necessarily know exactly what motivates them. When we have these kids, they don't come with a manual that says you need to do this, 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 and this. We learn it along the way. And that's why when you get people like us that are old and gray and down on the other side of the hill and the kids are grown, we've learned a thing or two. And we try to pass it on so hopefully others will learn it as well. But what he's saying is grab a hold of the knowledge and think of yourself the way you're supposed to think of yourself. Now, all of that, he says, in accordance with your measure of faith. I think another term for that is being in your zone. Because we don't go around saying, so what's your measure of faith? What's your measure of faith? What does he mean by that? That word measure of faith together comes from a Greek word saying energma, which we get the word energy. Think of the energizer bunny, how the commercial's great. It tells you that it never runs out. gives you the inference that that battery itself will never run out of energy. You know what I've noticed about people? I've watched and I've studied this and I've taught this for many, many years. I will tell you, when you're in your zone... Do you know something? You never burn out. You will never burn out because the things that you are passionate about are what give you the energy to continue. It's almost like you are your own solar panel. When you do that, it, it just it, it fills you back up and it keeps going. So what Paul's saying to us here is, do you know your measure of faith? Do you know the thing that just makes your clock tick? And if you do, don't think of yourself more highly, but think of yourself in sober judgment. Meaning, maybe I should really understand a little bit more about this measure of faith. And I'll get to that in just a minute because he goes on to expound what types of measure of faith we have. Every single one of us in this place, God has given to us a gift. It's called a motivational gift. It's what drives you. It's keeping you in your zone. You've heard it said this morning. And there, there, there are a couple of things that help keep us in the zone that keep our batteries recharged. And it's exactly, I, I did not talk to John earlier. I, I know that we pray to the same God and he directs us and he puts us right in the spot where we need to be. And today we've been in the zone, folks. And that's exactly what he's wanting us to understand. But I will tell you, when you're in the zone, what it does is it has a bearing on everything that you do. 
It has a bearing on exactly how you think about the church. Let me give you an example. If for some reason you have an incredible passion to want to help unwed mothers, you're going to be one of the first ones to call the office to talk to Pastor Don or Pastor Jack, and you're going to say, I think we need to be reaching out to unwed mothers. What is wrong with this church? We're not reaching out to unwed mothers. There's a problem there. That's your passion. That's what motivates you. And so you're going to view everything in light of that. If you're a teacher, you're going to see things that way. If you're an evangelist, the same way. Whatever it is that drives you, that motivates you, you're going to look at that. That's what you, how you're going to filter the church. It also will determine how you function. You know, one of my major pet peeves, and I've been involved with education both within the church and, and then in Christian education as well, is that when we see teachers that are dealing with our kids... We have an opening. We go to somebody and say, hey, would you do us a favor in just short-term 16 years? Fill in for the Sunday school class. Right? And you know what we never do? We never find out. Are you a gifted teacher? Because if you're not a gifted, passionate teacher, I don't want you in that classroom. I guarantee you, I am not going to put you there because it is not what drives you. You'll be late. You won't care about those kids. You won't really study to be prepared. And it just does not work. So my thinking has always been, and I believe within every body, as it just said, there are many members within a church body. And just as though we've prayed over somebody today who is going to take her gifts and use them where they're needed in another local body. That's biblical. That's exactly what God tells us to do. And every one of us. But if we don't have somebody that's gifted, that's passionate, that's, that's supposed to be teaching those kids, then we'll close a class. We just won't do it. That's what we should do until that person stands up, until they understand their measure of faith. Now, here's the interesting part, because biblically what happens is, after sitting here and listening to me, and I don't see anybody getting up and leaving yet, but after anybody listening to me and understand, and if for some reason as the Holy Spirit speaks through me and speaks to you, and you're kind of touching there, and you're saying, oh, wow, that is me. What happens is God says, you can't tell me you did not know that was your gift. See, You're responsible for what you now have become cognizant of and you're aware of. And that's what he wants you to understand. So in order to operate effectively, the first thing we need to do, I only have two points today and this is the first one. In order to operate effectively, we need must be in the zone with God. First and foremost, it's got to be with God. He created you to be a part of his team and a part of his game plan. Listen to what John chapter 15 says. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Appointed you. There's nobody that can ever say to me, but I've never been appointed to anything. Read your scriptures. You've been appointed that you should go forth and bear fruit, that your fruit fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he will give to you. I love that. You know, when things are going well in our lives, we sometimes believe, well, you know, I did that. It's my own doing. I mean, you know, God gave me the brains. He gave me the ability. I did that. When in all actuality, if we really think about it, it's God working in and through us. That's scriptural. Read through it. I read through the Proverbs, one of those, every single morning. And I'm telling you, you grab so much information in just Proverbs alone, and I'll share in just a minute. But there are times that we become a little bit big-headed, prideful even, and assume that, well, we don't really need God because he gave us the ability. That's when we start going down that slippery slope. We start moving aside. We start getting away from him. And after now, we've tried unsuccessfully to fix everything, change the outcome, and and see what we can do. Then we kind of turn around and say, all right, I've done everything I can. All right, God, what can you do for me? And just as pastor said, it doesn't matter 25 times this week, whatever it may be, 
The beauty about the Lord is he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what zone we should be in. He knows where we should operate. And even if we do blow it, he says, you know what? I'm going to take you back. And so we have to realize that, that, that sometimes when, when everything's maybe gone not quite right, and about the time you turn, and I've heard this, you've been there, I know you have, when, when you think, okay, I've done everything I can, you turn around and you give it to God. You've heard them say, they get up here and they talk about, well, the church doesn't need your money, but God needs you too, so I take that step, I tithe, and all of a sudden, bad luck hits. And it gets even worse. And you've got the people around you that are saying, see that God stuff, that doesn't work, does it? And it seems like it goes from bad to worse. And you're wondering, what in the world is all this about? Folks, if we really read our Bible, if we really trust it, if we really are in the zone with God, we'll recognize that God works out everything, that he orders our steps, that he pulls it together. He never abandoned you. He probably did that to get you to come back to him or to come to him in the first place. Because even on the other side, when things are going right and we think, oh, my marriage is great, kids are great. My job's great. Everything's great. That's not the time that we want to stop and say, you know, God is in control of my life. He's done a great thing. But when you're in the zone, you do, and that's okay. Listen to this. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You ever wondered sometimes when you're driving somewhere and you you always go the same way home or the same way to the store or whatever, and suddenly you just decided to go a different route? And, and when you do that, you, you know, you happen to be driving down the street and you look in your rearview mirror and you see one of your teachers that just broke down on the side of the road and God just tells you, just turn around and go help out. Do you know that it's the Lord's purpose that prevails no matter what? How can we understand? Then listen, the next chapter, chapter 20, a man's steps are directed by the Lord. How can he even understand his own way? You know, the more I read scripture, the more I wonder how in the world did I get along without God? Isn't that amazing? So we must be in the zone with him. What makes us try to fix our problems on our own without asking God for help? What truly makes us think that we have the answer to all of life's problems? Who do we think we are? You know, it's that flesh creeping in there. And that's exactly what Paul was saying. We've got to be renewed on a regular basis. I've heard it said of sometimes people saying, well, you know, I don't really need to go to church all that often. Yes, you do. Do you know why? We don't come to church to get. And if you walked in here this morning trying to get, shame on you. You walked in here this morning to give. We all, every one of us came in here this morning to give, to give to him directly. That's what it was about. Yeah, but I didn't really like the way they led worship today. Get over it. It doesn't matter. It's not about you. You know what I'm saying? It's honestly, I mean, seriously. I'm telling you, he gave me the platform, I'm taking it. So, <laughs> But I'm telling you, what makes us think that we get a choice in that? It's the flesh, folks. It's the flesh. Let me spend 20 minutes with you, and I'll tell you whether or not you've been in your word. If you're not in the zone with God, the rest of it's a waste of time. And I'm telling you, it's that simple. If you haven't really given it all to him, I'm challenging you to do that because there is no other choice. You really think... All the things that you've gone through is, 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 you know, oh, it's just poor me, woe is me. No, God's had a plan from the very beginning. Scripture tells us even before you were formed, he saw you. He knew you. And all your days were ordained of him, even before one of them came to be. That excites me. So it takes us to this. God's desire is to be our first responder, not our last resort. And do you know how you know the difference? I'll tell you how you know. 
When you get in hot water, what's the first thing you do? Do you panic? Do you call your best friend? Do you call somebody else? Or do you truly say, hey, God, what's going on? What's happening here? And, and that's how you know. And it, it's working at it together. We need each other. That's exactly what it's all about. In those first couple of verses, and I alluded to it earlier, our spiritual act of worship is to live as living sacrifices. What does that mean? That means at all times we're praising him. You know, yesterday afternoon we were, we were at Waldemere. Don't ask me why. It was hot. It was terrible. It was sticky. Well, I do know why, but I'm not telling you, okay? But we were there for a little while. And I found myself, you know, in, even in the midst of Waldemere, you can praise God. Did you know that? You can. You can do it anywhere. Why? Because it's our reasonable act of worship. It's everything that we do. That means we don't conform to the pattern of this world. How's the world thinking? Just watch advertising. Just read the newspaper. Just read all those things. That'll tell you how the world's thinking. Just watch Oprah. She'll tell you how it's thinking. Okay? And you have to be careful. You've got to filter everything through the Word of God. But what he says is that we must have a new paradigm in our mind. Then, when we have that new paradigm, listen to this. This is absolutely great. That comes out of, out of uh, Romans 12 too. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You know, when tough times come, I, I was with somebody one time, and I don't talk like this on a regular basis, but I was with somebody, and all of a sudden, you know, we were in the car, and we got a flat tire. And I hear from the back seat, oh, praise God. Now, I'm thinking it's kind of like, you know, oh, praise God. You know, what is that about? But it was like somebody saying, well, praise the Lord. Maybe there's a reason we got a flat tire. Now, I don't always do that. I'm going to be honest with you. I wrestle as well, but I've noticed the more time I spend in the zone with God, the more time when things happen do I recognize that he says, I didn't have you go this way on purpose because I got something I need you for over here. Maybe it's somebody you need to talk to. Maybe it's somebody that, who knows, I can't even begin to describe all the scenarios, but God has a plan, and if we recognize that. Let me give you another quick example, and you probably have heard of the name Tony Dungy. Coach Tony Dungy was absolutely captured the hearts of many men, especially those of us that love watching football. And whether you're a Colts fan or not, it doesn't matter, uh, but I will tell you, he actually made this statement. He said he always knew that football was going to be a part of his life's mission, but not the only reason that God placed him on this earth. When he decided to step down from football, he told people, don't cry for me or don't feel sorry for me. I live the dream that few men ever get to live. Honestly, he ended up with 148 career wins. He went to the playoffs 10 consecutive years and he was the first African-American to ever win the Super Bowl. Tony Dungy had a remarkable career and he gave God the glory for it. Now, you and I may not relate to that. That may not mean anything to you, but I'll bet you can relate to this part of Tony Dungy's life because he went through a major crisis. In 2005, Christmas time, he and his wife Lauren got a phone call that every parent hopes never to get from the Tampa Police Department saying that they had found their son, James, unresponsive in his apartment, later to only discover that he had taken his life in an apparent suicide. Absolutely crushed their world. And as a result of that, those people that were around Tony described him as a man who immediately turned his grief to his first responder, to God. Because he had a network in place immediately, and he knew exactly that nothing happens short of God's divine plan. And though it didn't make sense, he trusted the one that does make sense. And he goes on, and as a result of that, God has used that tragedy in he and his wife's life in more times to be able to give testimony, to talk about how God has worked in his life. He likes talking about that kind of situation a whole lot more than those career wins. 
although that one's more exciting. I will tell you, when unforeseen things happen in your life, who do you turn to? What's the first response that comes to us? And I'm not saying anything new to you, but I am saying something that is incredibly timely because every one of us needs to operate in the zone. You see, Tony used his measure of faith to please God. And that's what you and I are called to do as well. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I love putting verse 29 with that because it also says, Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus. Isn't that great? We go through things so that it will conform us into the image of his son, Jesus. That's what it's all about. Number two, in order for you and I to operate effectively, we need to be in the zone with ourselves, with God and with ourselves. And this one's very similar, but it is different. Our love for him should encompass absolutely every aspect of our person. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 22, I think I put it in your notes. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Well, how do I do that? It's a walk. It's a walk, folks. We don't jump there immediately. That's why it's important to be involved with a small group. That's why it's important to be involved with the men's group, the women's group. That's why it's so important to be mentored and to be mentoring somebody at the same time. Every one of us needs that. You know, you've heard it said that we need time alone with God. They used to call it T-A-W-G. Everybody needs time alone with God. And I'm going to tell you, you do. More so than just it's really great you version, and I know some of you, are, you're either texting or taking notes on you version. I don't know which, but it's okay. Now, we're, now we live in that society where we're allowed to do that, and we just never know. But I will tell you that uh, there are Bible plans on there. I'm actually reading through the Bible chronologically. I've never done that before, and it's actually kind of fascinating. Right now, I'm going through Ezekiel. and Man, is that dry. But thanks, John, for this morning. That was really good, coming right out of Ezekiel. But you know, it's interesting when you read it chronologically. It gives you a little different perspective. Now, There's more to it than just doing that, to say, hey, I read through the Bible in a year. I checked off my check, each one. That's not what time alone with God is. Time alone with God says, I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm meditating. Maybe it's just one verse. Maybe it's a half a verse. Maybe you camp somewhere. I don't know. Let the Holy Spirit direct you. That's what he wants to do. But in order for us to be in the zone, we've got to be willing to meditate on it and allow him to speak to us. And then to pray. Those things that you feel that when you start praying and you feel like your mind just wanders off into no ends. You know what? I've prayed some of those things to God. We've had a great conversation about weird stuff. Because you know what? Once you've talked about it, you're done talking, right? And you're able to come right back. It's amazing how that happens. And sometimes you feel like you prayed your guts out and you look up and it's been five minutes. It's not about the time. It's about the quality. It's about making sure that you're in the zone there. That really means that maybe it's time to silence the cell phones. Maybe it's time to close the door. Maybe it's time to just hear nothing. Now, those of us that might be slightly dyslexic need something to help occupy the brain. So you turn on the music so that you can think. And others say, no, if I turn on music, it's a distraction. It doesn't matter. There's no one right way to do it. The question is, are you in the zone with God and are you in the zone with yourself? That's what matters most. Proverbs 8, verse 34. And you're thinking about, well, maybe not, you know, What time should I do my time alone with God? I'll tell you, in the morning. Now, I'm not a morning person. I love the evenings. I feel like I'm more productive at night. But if I have an early morning appointment, it's great. But if I get up on my own, forget it. Ask my wife. It doesn't happen, all right? I can set that alarm out on how many times I hit it if there's not a reason to get up. 
But I will tell you, Proverbs 8, 34 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doorways in the morning. Why do you have to put that there? Okay? But you know what I've noticed? When you do that, when you do that, sometimes out of discipline, there's occasionally, there's those mornings when the Lord kind of shows up and he says, hey, I got something for you. I got a little nugget. And he gives you a little something that's just like the, the, the words kind of leap off the page and you're thinking, wow, that's for me and that's perfect. It's timely. It's for today. And there's other times that maybe I will go days or weeks or something that it just seems like it's almost ritual. But I don't want to miss that nugget. I don't want to be out of the zone. I want to be right smack where I need to be. So what we need to do on this one is we need to make time to be alone with God regularly. You define regularly. That's all that matters. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I asked myself that question, am I in the zone? I have to ask myself that often. And when you get up here and you share this, you know, you go over it again. But I want to ask you as well, have you found your zone? Do you know what that is? Do you know exactly what motivates you even before you lift your head off the pillow in the morning? Do you know what that is that says, I'm getting up because, because it's different for every one of us. And I will tell you, Oprah found the secret for her. But what about us? Well, how do I know what those are? Well, let me give you a sneak peek. I don't have time to go into it. I will tell you, I do teach a class called Discovering Your Shape. Started this morning. I didn't see anybody there, so I'm open for next week. I have 21 reservations available. Starts next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, room 201. And Brian's helping me over there. All right? (laughs) But I will tell you, Look at these next few verses, and they are in your notes, from Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. And I'm winding down. For those of you that want to know, you can wake up now. I'm about to land. We have different gifts according to the grace that has been given us. Each man, if, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him do it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You see, all of these are what we call motivational gifts. There are four classifications of spiritual gifts, and they often get lumped together. But I, am, I do tell you that in the class that I teach, and I, it's not because I teach it because I don't care who teaches it. I personally think that every single one of us should go through the particular class to understand what your spiritual shape is. Knowing your spiritual gift, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. God takes every one of those, he puts them together and says, I've created you as a unique image bearer of God. And I've got great things destined for every single one of you. And the only reason we get frustrated is because we're not in the zone. We're not operating where we know we're supposed to be. And I will tell you that class helps to discover and unfolds. Wish I could have done this last week. I'd have had a full class this week. But nevertheless, I want to let you know that sometimes it takes the one-on-one, and I've seen that over and over again. I'm only going to expound on one of those this morning, and that is because this is the week. Some have started school already. Some of us are so smart we started on time. I don't know about you, but when I went to school, the day after Labor Day was when summer ended, and that's when school began. And uh, it's funny how we, we now cater not so much to the, to the students as much anymore. But I will tell you, God is doing an amazing thing through our school. And those with the gift of teaching, I can tell you with absolute certainty from the bottom of my heart, because I've not only interviewed every one of them, but I've talked with each one of them personally. We have a group of people, about 32 total, that are absolutely called to teach and called 
to touch the lives of kids. And so I've invited my friends here today. I know we acknowledge you. Would you guys come and stand right down here? Some of you are up there. I see Phil up there. If you guys would just come right down here. We're going to pray for you specifically this morning. And uh, I, I, I really want you to know that I work with an awesome group of people. And uh, it is absolutely amazing that when you do what you're called to do, not a one of these people are here because of me. They don't come here because, oh, they just really want to be with Pastor John, even though you gave me a great reception. They're not here because they just need a paycheck. Yes, we have to pay them. They have bills. They like to feed their family too. But do you know why these people are here? They're here because they've discovered their zone. They know what it is. And I'm going to tell you, they teach because they're called to teach. Because it not only scratches an itch, they touch the hearts and the lives of young people every single day. Every one of them from our infant room all the way through grade 12. And God has given us a unique opportunity. And we wanted you to know, this is a part of Erie First right here. This is some, some of them do attend other churches. They're involved as well. We asked some of them to be able to give up a little bit of time to just be here today. But I want you to know, whether it's Bill doing IT, whether it's uh, Marcus doing, you know, teaching Bible, whether it's Mr. Gernovich over here that does secondary and de- deals with all of our boarding kids as well. God has, has called this team as a part of this body to impact this community and to reveal Jesus through this capacity. And I wanted you to see their faces. I've also listed their names on the, in, the, in the bulletin on the back of my notes. I made my notes brief. You like that? Hey, I really did. I did this on time. This is a first. Not only that, we want to pray for them, but you know what? Some of you are educators as well, and we've not forgot that because there's a mission field out there. And whether you teach in another Christian school or you're in public ed, we want you to stand right where you're at. And I've asked Pastor to come and to pray over all of us. So if you're involved in any form within education, we applaud you as well, and we want to say we want to pray for you because God has called each and every one of us to our particular place. But we want to just focus in on teaching this morning. So, Pastor. Again, if you're involved in education, would you please stand? Thank you. Wonderful. Let me lead you in praying for these folks. In fact, let's do this. I'm going to ask you, we didn't discuss this earlier, but I'd like for you all that know some of these folks here to just come and lay hands on them and anybody standing around you that's in education you'd, you'd, you'd surround them and let's lay hands as a community of faith on these folks who are leading our community in education so find them and some of you come down here rest of you stand would you do that and you may not know some of these folks they may be attending other communities of faith but you come and Make sure somebody's got somebody with them. Everybody got somebody with them. There we go. That's great. So now, Father, we thank you for all of these who you have gifted. And I thank you that they have found their zone. And you said that as we would pray for them, that you would place an anointing upon them that you would give them divine ability and the authority to function in that zone. So we now set them aside asking that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, whether they are functioning in a place that recognizes Jesus as Lord or in a place that will not allow them to speak Jesus as Lord, let their very lives reflect Jesus as Lord, and that they will have opportunity by their very living and their prayers to establish a place of your presence, your grace, and your mercy. I ask that you will strengthen them, and in the difficult moments, they will find the energy that comes from from your spirit, that you will keep them healthy and protected, 
and that they will be so energized by you that when they return in the evening from their day of instruction or their administration or, or whatever they're doing in that realm of education, that they'll come home and say, I was built for this. And they will be excited about what you are doing in them and through them. So we now set them aside for what you've called them to do and that you have empowered them to accomplish it. And we give you thanks now. We seal this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Would you tell all these educators, thank you for what they're doing.